Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. We are now available not just on YouTube, but also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So make sure you get on all those and subscribe to all of them. And of course, we've got the Facebook group, so please join that. If you're interested in sponsoring um, an episode, please contact us in the comments section. You can see the uh, the sponsor video that we had. At, we put them at the beginning, so it's guaranteed to be seen. Um, I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone is Brian King from Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin, and from the Sunshine, yeah, Sunshine State Sports Jabber. That's a lot of S's. And the Walker Report, Bradley Walker. And of course, our special guest tonight, four time All American from Stanford, winning a national doubles championship. She was a member of the U.S. Federation Cup team twice and the Whiteman Cup team once. She's won 11 <laughs> tournaments in the WTA and reached a rank of seventh best in the world for doubles. You know, after retirement, she's still working in, in tennis. She's been on the Tennis Channel, um, the USTA World Feed, ESPN Australia. She does uh, the Australian Open down there. So ladies and gentlemen, USTA, Mid-Atlantic, Hall of Famer, Elise Burton. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh boy, thank you. <laughs> thanks guys, thank you. Thank you for coming on. It's a uh, pleasure. Yeah. So obviously, like always, we're going to have Q&A with Elise about her career after the debate. Tonight's debate is the greatest female tennis player of all time. I know that some of the females we're talking about tonight came up in our greatest rivalry show that, that we had prior. Mm. Uh, but yep. now we're going we're gonna to give you some more in-depth look at, at some of them. But we're going to start tonight with Serena Williams. Serena Williams, <clears throat> when you when I think about the greatest players and athletes of any sport, I think about the ones who perform on the biggest stages, and nobody performs bigger than Serena Williams. 23 major titles, 14 uh, doubles titles, two mixed doubles titles, and four gold medals. She also tied with Steffi Graf that had the, is, as one of the only women to win each major title at least three times. She has 10 titles after the age of 30. Amazing accomplishment. No other woman has more than three after the age of 30. She was the oldest player to reach number one at 35 years of age. She also tied with Steffi Graf for the number one ranking at 186 weeks. So her consistency, unparalleled. Um, she has the most major major title wins with 362. That's 54 than Martina Navratilova and 84 more than Steffi Graf. She performed on the biggest stage for over two decades. That's why, to me, she's the greatest Women's tennis player of all time. She's she's for sure should be on this list. <laughs> so my my question here with, okay. with with Serena is I don't feel and I and I could be wrong. You're gonna know better than me, at least of course. But like she's never had that that true rival like uh, Martina has had that that Steffi has kind of had with Monica Seles. Like, I, I've never seen anyone push her to her limits. Maybe now that she's a lot older, you know, mm -hmm. uh, she has that. But, like, during the middle of her career, 
I never saw anyone who pushed her. So I guess my question to you is, is she, is she this good or has there just not been someone great to compete with her? She's this good. She's this good. And, and you always have to look at, at generations and, and each generation of tennis player of, of the greats, they move the game forward. And I think you look at, you have to look at these players and say, has this player moved the game forward? And you look at a Serena Williams and she did have a rival. And that was a number one, her sister. And if you think about Venus, Venus, her, she would have, she's won, she won seven, she's won seven slams. It's not over for her yet. She's won seven single slams in her career. Do you know how many more she would have won had it not been for her sister? She would be so far into double digits. So she had Serena. And if you think about, uh, excuse me, she had Venus as a rival. But if you think about Serena's career, who did she intersect with early on? It was Graf. You know, Graf was still around when, when, when Serena began. And then there was Hingis. And you could say it's Hingis and Davenport and, and vanquished these incredible stars. And then you move along. And then there is, if you think about it, Kleisters, Annan. Uh, and then you go to today's game. It, she's spanning, you know, a couple of decades of, of great tennis players. So you really, you can't look at Serena in terms of there's not that rival like Martina had Chrissy, like Court had King. It's just, it's a little bit different, but you look at Serena's game and what did Serena have? Why has she changed the game? The greatest serve in the history of the game. If you had to pick one big shot, what do you want? You want the great serve. Serena has the greatest serve ever. She was the first player who could end a point on the first shot, whether it be with the serve or the return. And that is huge for women's tennis on top of her athleticism and her speed and the combination of power and what she has up here, one of the great pressure players I've ever seen. And you talked about the slams that she's won since turning 30. We've never seen anything like that. 10 since she, she turned 30. And then after she had the baby, she's been in the, into the finals, I think of at least four. No, she hasn't won one since she had the baby, but Olympia, who's really not a baby anymore, but she's, she's she won a, she won a okay. title. She won a title while pregnant. I mean, that's amazing. Yes, she did. So she, yes, she is the only one who's ever won while pregnant. So, okay, I went on and on, but she's just, she's unrivaled. Brian, I, I, I'm going to ask you, because uh, you were on the prior tennis show we did, and I think it came up. Didn't we kind of decide that Venus Serena wasn't the best of rivalries because it was too one-sided? Is that what we were, we were talking about? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Serena right, yeah. like just kind of dominated it, so we didn't really consider. It a good yeah, that's right. And to add to that, another person that that at least didn't mention was uh, Maria Sharapova. I mean, she was a heck of a player too, and and Dominic Serena, Serena, Serena sorry, vanquished her. Yep. Uh, well, that if you think about the one that could have been a rival, also, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was just so lopsided. Other than that Wimbledon, that right. their first huge encounter was the Wimbledon that Sharapova won, and I believe Sharapova was 17 at the time, and uh, wins the match and gets on the phone with her mother. I'll never forget that. Pulls out the, the cell phone and is on with her mother when she wins that Wimbledon title. But 
that match, it sparked something in Serena because Sharapova never got a whiff at Serena after that Wimbledon final. I mean, it was just, it just turned a light on in Serena and poor Maria, who was a great player and won five slams of her own. Uh, just, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, I didn't even mention Sharapova in that conversation of rivals because it was so, so lopsided. Brad, it was, you know, as mentioned, you know, Serena's still winning here in, in her 30s. We see Federer, he's in his, gosh, he's, I think he's in his late 30s, still winning. Yeah. Tom Brady's in his 40s winning. <laughs> is it, is it, you think it's easier nowadays because of what we know about the body and how we can train it than, than maybe some of the older players uh, from the 60s and 70s? Do you think like longevity is, is easier now? Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. I think with the way technology's been, again, seeing Tom Brady now probably play till 50. You know, he might play till 50, who knows. Uh, but, yeah, I think with, with the way that science is and the way that now the players can diet and they can change things. and I mean, you know, I mean, how about that? I mean, how about, you know, winning a, a grandson while you're pregnant? Who, you know, who back in the day you wouldn't even think about doing that. Serena goes, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do it. And she did it. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's amazing on its own just right there. But, yeah, I, I think with the way science is, these older players can now prolong their career a little bit longer compared to back in the day when, you know what, Father Tom comes knocking, I got to hang it up. You know, now today they're like, you know what, I'll push Father Tom a little bit away. I mean, let me play a couple more years and then we'll, then I'll let him come in. and, <laughs> and my I forgot to add that. She was in the finals eight months after having a pulmonary embolism. I mean, the woman is well, a marvel. And yes, and you you take that into account too uh, with with Serena. And yes, she's had the blood clots and and post pregnancy. After I mean, she had I mean had the dealt with the blood clots again. But but mid career, it could have been. I mean, it was life threatening. It was life threatening. For Serena and people forget that and how she came back from that yeah I mean it, it goes she is so remarkable it, it's it, you can go on and on and, and just um, Bradley to that point that you made about the longevity if you look at the draws of Grand Slams now in tennis you'll have 30 some people in their 30s in that draw and even after the first round or the second round which was unheard of when when I, well, even when I when I was playing, you know that number thirty, the number thirty was almost like okay, you're you're on the you're now on the other side, and and today it just with how you can prolong careers, players especially tennis players travel with physios. They they you know you now hear the word team. If you ever listen to if you ever listen to um, a post you know to the commentary or. Or when players after the after an event and they're they're doing their their thank yous, I want to thank my team. Teams didn't exist when I was out there. There were no teams. Maybe Martina had a little team, but other than that, players didn't have teams. And now it is a it's a part of the game, but it's helping prolong careers. It's just night and day. Technology is helping. It, it it's just yeah, you, you can play well into your thirties now, no doubt about it. All right, well, let's move on to Steffi Graf. Just before I do, hats off to any woman 
who works through their pregnancy. That is just an amazing thing. My wife did it until the day before she gave birth, and she was an RN on her feet all that time. So oh, my gosh. All right. A man would never be able to handle that. So That's right. <laughs> a lot you guys can't handle. Okay. All right. So, Steffi Graff. I got, I'm representing Steffi tonight. She yep. played from 82 to 1999, so a, a nice long career. Started professionally at 13 years old, so very, very young. Um, her 88.69% uh, win percentage is better than Serena's. Just want to point that out. Uh, she has 107 titles, which is third all time. Seven Wimbledon titles, which is the most. Um, you know, and we judge Wimbledon as the, as the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowl of tennis. Mm -hmm. So that, mm -hmm. that's a big stat. Um, and she got uh, 22 Grand Slam wins, Olympic gold as well, 11 double titles. She's the first male or female to win the Golden Slam. Um, and, and she was 19 when she did that. And she still was the only, I, I think she's still the only player to do it in a calendar year. Uh, I might be yeah. wrong on that second point. But yeah, you're right. She still is. Okay. So, and then we got, you know, just some, some quotes, uh, uh, you know, Billie Jean King said that Steffi Graf was the best. Chris Ebert calls her the best all around, uh, player because she could play on clay and hard courts as well as she played on grass. Usually there's always a distinct advantage for one person. Um, in 1999, the Associated Press named her the greatest of the 20th century. Um, she's ranked number one for 377 weeks. Um, I'm pretty sure that's still more than Serena has had. And then in 2020, um, sportscasting.com called her the GOAT when they were comparing her to Serena. Um, and Graf is, you know, she's one of the few players who excelled, as I said, on grass and clay, and that's really hard to do. That came up a lot in our prior tennis show. You know, the advantages that we see in the doll has a huge advantage on clay. She could play on both. Can't stress that enough because there's so many different types of courts in tennis, but she had the best forehand in the business. I mean, they nicknamed it, uh, the Froyline, Froyline forehand. You know, that's a great nickname there. I love that. Um, you know, she had poise. She was quick disciplined, consistent, and, and she held her emotions, which, you know, I'm not trying to knock just Serena tonight, but Serena has had some problems with emotions out there on the court. We, we all know that she's been fined a ton. Um, but, you know, just a quote from Steffi that I really like. Um, she can't say, you can't measure success if you have never failed. And, and I, I love that quote. That's a great quote. And then she also said, um, when you lose a couple times, you realize how difficult it is to win. So I, I really like that too. <laughs> um, those are kind of like just some quotes to live by. Um, and then I'll just finish with this. She has the best winning percentage of any female at Wimbledon. So not only does she have the most wins, but she has the best winning percentage at 91.35. And she has the best winning percentage in Grand Slam tournaments altogether. So stat-wise, she's, she's definitely one of the best. Um, she's lived a quiet life since, since retirement. Um, you know, you don't, you don't hear a lot about her anymore. She just kind of wanted to do the family thing. And I respect yep. that. So, um, you know, at least I, I feel, you know, we we're talking rivalries with Serena. So her, her Steffi's rivalry with Monica, you know, got what could have been, what could have been right. That was a big part of our last show. I mean, if that rivalry goes on for 10 years, do you, do you think that, like, maybe Graf's name is even 
higher and better than what it is today? We'll never know. I mean, you know, and, and that conversation, we can have that conversation all day. What would have been had Monica not been stabbed? What would it have, been, what would it have meant for both their careers, for Steffi's and for, and for Monica's? What, how would they have pushed each other? Would they have pushed each other to even greater heights? Or would one have just knocked the other out at some point and, mm -hmm. and, and even, and dominated? And of course, that's something history, you know, we, it, it leaves it just for us to surmise what could have been. But, uh, you made the point right away that, that, that Steffi, who now goes by Stephanie, but since I've known her since she was 12, I can never, <laughs> it's hard for me to call her Stephanie now, but, but Steffi, she she's a player that was she was just about the business of going out and playing tennis. She didn't the other the other things that the fame, the fortune, the other things that that went along with it. She wasn't focused on. She was so focused on her tennis. She played her matches. She didn't care about the limelight at all. Her focus was 100 percent tennis. And uh, as someone who faced her on a number of occasions and, you know, we talked about the greatest shots of all times. And, and, and the, the four women that we're going to talk about as the four greats, they each were the great power players of their generations. And Steffi of her generation was the greatest power player with the greatest forehand that we have ever seen in tennis that we probably will ever see in the women's game. It was an absolutely dominant shot. She had the great dominant shot to go along with a big serve. Her athleticism, all of the, all the athleticism, all the women were talking about or is unparalleled. Hers was, her movement was just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. I mean, she covered, you could not get the ball by her. She covered everything. But with her forehand, she covered three quarters of the court, meaning she dominated three quarters of the court with one shot. And to find that little inkling of an opening, maybe to get to the backhand, which was good. She, she pretty much sliced the backhand, kept her in points, didn't get her in trouble. But her dominance with the forehand is something that we've never seen. We may never see again. And uh, it obviously is what puts her in the pantheon of the greats and uh, made her so dominant for her generation. Rollo, I was uh, throwing a few knocks there on, on Serena. You know, obviously, I want mine voted in over yours because the, the goal is to win, win, of course. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a minute. Okay. You know, if there's anything you want to say about Steffi, yeah, you're welcome to throw it out, Rollo. It just reminds you who has the most titles in, in the open era. She has one more. <laughs> She also and, has, and she's still going too. That's the scary part. Yeah. <laughs> she also has eighty-four more major wins than Stephanie. So on the biggest stage, she she performed at a higher level, in my opinion. Fair enough. And, Fair enough. and you know, I will just put in. You know, you do you take into account that she won the Golden Slam, and I let me just think. Margaret Court won the Grand Slam. Maureen Conley won it in the 50s, and the, and the winning the, the Grand Slam is winning four in a, in a calendar year. I mean, Martina Navratilova won four in a row. I think Serena even won four in a row, but never in a calendar year. 
So Steffi won the calendar year slam and the Olympics, that golden slam, you know, is that going to be done again? I don't know. Those are the things, but you look at all these players and they have such mind boggling records. Each one of them, we're not going to talk about one person here that has some sort of record that you just makes your head just spin. And, uh, you know, from Serena's to, to, to Steffi, um, you just, you look at all those. I mean, I think Steffi and the last point I'll make with Steffi is she did have the great variety of winning. She was great on all surfaces and you made that point and it's beautiful because if you think about it, I think she had four Australians, six, six French, seven Wimbledons and five U.S. That is just across all surfaces. And, and she is playing in an era where you're, where you're playing on grass, clay and hard. It's just remarkable. All right. I'll zip it. They both have only, they're both of all the women that ever played tennis. The only three, only two that have at least three titles on each, on each yep. the U.S. Open, Australia yep. Open. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Impressive stats. All right, so we're going we're to move on to, to Margaret Court. Brad, before I let you start, uh, I'm going to say this about Margaret. Um, when... Brian and I were putting this debate together. You know, I, I, we come up with a list. You know, we start with maybe 15, then we take it down to 10, and then we try to get it down to what we're going to do for this show. I did not have Margaret in my top five. Now, I let my panelists pick, you know, their player. You went with Margaret. So prove to me why she should enter into my top five and maybe all the way to my, to, to my vote later tonight. Well... Let's start with that was the biggest rival for Billie Jean King. We'll start with that. Uh, one of the greatest uh, women tennis players. Uh, she has 24 Grand Slams, one more than Serena there, Rob. Uh, at the medium moment, Serena, of course, is still playing. Um, she was very dominant in her era. Um, I, you know, I, I saw the movie they made about Billie Jean King with Emma Stone as, as Billie Jean, and that was one of the players that everyone – when the WTA was invented, they, you know, that was the one player that they said everyone should fear. And and Margaret, obviously, you know, uh, won 11 Aussies, five French, three Wimbledon, five U.S. Open. She was ranked number one in the world uh, a lot <laughs> in her era. Um, let's see here real quick. I'm scanning down here. She's got the most single titles of all time, 192. See, she's again. She's also with the mixed and also mixed doubles and doubles. She's got 64 majors and singles, doubles and mixed combined. Uh, that's likely to stand the test of time. I don't think any other female tennis player will reach those accolades. Um, I think that's all I have, Mike. That's that. <laughs> that says a lot. Uh, you know, when I was looking up Steffi's stats, obviously uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing Margaret above her and. In a lot of categories and above everyone else in a lot of categories and i found that so surprising um <laughs> I, I mean for me i always thought just navratilova dominated in in every category um but you know the more research you do the more you learn especially after when we did our first tennis show i learned a lot about these women that you know you you see a lot on tv but then you learn more when you do the research so uh, at least you know um so margaret court has had some some issues off the court uh, yep. Obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah. so the, the show is Legacy Battle. We, we 
it's not necessarily just who is the greatest, but who has the greatest legacy. And there, there are things that taint mm -hmm. some legacies. So, yeah. you know, what are your thoughts on Margaret? And, you know, not just not just the off the court stuff, but also her play on the court. Yeah. So, I mean, just to quickly, you know, the off the court um, issue. Do I, is it my opinion that she's tainted her legacy? And everyone has an opinion. I believe she has with, with her her stance on, on gay rights and, and the fact that for many decades, three decades, you know, I would say now that, you know, that she has been very outspoken and it's many people find it offensive. I have found it offensive. And in my mind, has that tarnished her legacy? For me, yes, there's been controversy should her name be on Margaret Court, the Margaret Court Arena at the Australian Open. It's been, it's been a very, it's been very uncomfortable for the tennis world to have to, this issue has become, with Margaret has become uncomfortable. And, and so I have been offended by, by the stances that she's taken. Push that aside. Margaret Court, the tennis player, without question, one of the great, the one of the greats of all time. And she does have, look, she's got the most slams. I, you know, in all um, singles, doubles, and mixed, 64 grand slams in her, in her lifetime. It's beyond remarkable. And, and all these, these greats, we talked about being the dominant physical player of your era. That's what Margaret was. She, in her era, she was overpowering. She, I think we, we, and we're going to talk about Martina later as Martina is the one that really brought fitness to the game. Well, Margaret did it too. Margaret was a player that was known to, to really, to work out, to lift weights, to do all of those things, to, to set herself apart even back then. And she was so dominant with her, with the combination, with the serve, the, the volley, the fact that she moved well, she was good on all surfaces. And you have to remember that Margaret played in an era where three of the four Grand Slams were on grass. So the Australian, the U.S. Open, and Wimbledon were all on grass. So she didn't have the heart, you know, you didn't have a player who, who won on hard courts like the others have won. She, she played in the Open era, but much of her career was before the Open era. But she was very good on the clay, and that she could dominate on grass and the clay, utterly remarkable. In picking who's the greatest of all time, and it's not Margaret's fault that the Australian Open in, in way back when was more a regional, was more a national event. It's considered a grand slam, but the greats did not all play. The, the greats of her era did not all play the, all the Australians when she was winning those. So it, did she pad her numbers a little bit? It did pad her numbers, not to her detriment. You play what's there. But it, do I think it just, it, it affects where I would put her, you know, when you're making who's, who is the greatest, I think it affects it just a little bit. Brian, let, let me come to you. Let me, let me take you outside the tennis world and throw this question at you. If I ask my wife, do you know who Venus Williams is? She says, yes. I ask her, you know who Martina Navratilova is? She says, yes. I ask her, you know who Margaret Court is? Who's that? So. She's not quite the household name like the other people we're discussing today. Is is that is that going to hurt 
not not her legacy, but being recognized as the greatest overall, do you think, if she's only known to the tennis world compared to the others? Yeah, yeah I, I think it does. And, and it's almost kind of like, um, you know, because of the era that she came, that she, that she played in, you know, she set this standard, uh, this amazing standard. But does that mean that she's the greatest player? Now, I think there's been, you know, there's been better players that have come along since her. But she's the one that sort of set that, you know, set the bar so high out there. And you know, that's the reason why her, you know, her name's on the building. That's the reason why, um, you know, when you look in the record books, you see her records. Um, but it, it's just, I think, I think it's just like, you know, like what you said, you know, she's to the, to the, you know, this generation and, you know, she doesn't really have that influence outside of the, the, the controversy, unfortunately, um, you know, in today's, uh, you know, news cycle and, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, she, she's, you know, for what she did in her generation was, uh, was unbelievable, but it's, just, it's hard to sort of transcend, um, uh, you know, the, the, the following years and the following generations. Had she beaten Bobby Riggs, would we all know her name in that match? Absolutely. It's such a conversation point because the precursor to maybe one of the biggest matches in tennis history, which is amazing. It was a match that wasn't actually an exhibition match, maybe one of the most famous match in tennis history uh, was this, the stage was set because of Margaret losing to Bobby Riggs on Mother's Day, which I know we'll probably talk about that as we get further into this conversation. But she was obviously a household name in her day. Has she, did she transcend the sport like her great rival, Billie Jean King? No, I would say no to that. Okay, let's move on to our, our last representative. We do have honorable mentions tonight, but uh, our last representative mm -hmm. for the actual vote tonight is Martina yep. Navratilova. All right, Martina Navratilova, one of my favorites. Um, she came out of uh, Czechoslovakia. Um, she actually defected in, in 1975. Uh, during that time is when they had the – the, the communist Soviet bloc. So she had to get out of there. She came to the United States and she joined the tour. Um, she was left-handed, uh, but she was born a righty. So I think that that helped her throughout her career. She was kind of natural from both, uh, you know, both sides. Um, as far as it goes with singles, uh, she won the Australian three times, uh, the French twice, U.S. Open four times, and Wimbledon nine times including a, a, a six, con uh, six consecutive winning streak for the Wimbledon from 82 to 87. Um, and she, she ended up with an 86 or 80, yeah, 86.8 win percentage in singles matches. Um, and she has a record for uh, 167 WTA titles. Uh, 1983 was an unbelievable year for Martina. She actually, in singles, she won 86 out of 87 matches. So only one loss, which is unbelievable. Um, in doubles, she won 83.9% of her matches in her career. And, uh, and she has a record, um, of 177 WTA titles. So you put them together, we're talking about 344, um, WTA titles between the, the uh, singles and doubles. Um, total grand slams, 31. Uh, wins. Um, she won all four in the year of 1984. Amazing. Um, she held the number one spot for both singles and doubles 
for 200 consecutive weeks. Uh, no other woman ever did that. And, you know, she was just an, an attacking player, just relentless, aggressive. Um, you know, her power was something maybe the game hadn't really seen, to, you know, to that level before. And, and her athleticism was really amazing. Well, we know why her doubles record is so good. We got one of her doubles partners right here on the show. <laughs> oh, my, yes. Okay, let's, let's not forget, you know, yeah. they, they, they won. They won as a doubles. <laughs> Lisa yes. and Martina. Uh, so. One of her 100, she won 177 doubles titles and one right here. Hey. And just, that's, that's bragging just rights. so you guys know, when it came to doubles, you don't ask Martina to play with you. The protocol is, Martina asks you. You did not have, no one had the chutzpah to say, to walk up to Martina and say, hey, you want to play doubles with me next week? It was, uh, it was Martina. Um, and actually that week that she did ask me to play from as, as she recounted to me in year, years since, she said, you know, you didn't answer me when I asked. You never, you never gave an answer right away. I said, of course I didn't. I was in such shock. <laughs> That, that I didn't, but uh, yeah. Uh, so Martina, dominant in doubles, and and her partner, her she and and Pam Shriver, the greatest doubles team in the history of the game. And um, I must, I have to give that up. That Pam and I, we've been BFF since we were nine years old. So, uh, <laughs> so any conversation <laughs> where where Pam's involved, I it's uh, I uh, I'm a little prejudiced to the positive. Uh, Martina, in the pantheons of the greats, and, and again, I will reiterate, the dominant power player of her generation, which is the generation, I, I, you know, for me, my career, it kind of spanned Martina. You know, Martina was a bit older. Martina and Chrissy were over, were older. Steffi and Sabatini, they were younger, but I got to, and, and, and Graf, uh, Graf and Celis, but I, I had the good fortune, or not great fortune, of crossing over with all of those careers. And Martina, in her, for this generation, dominated. She suffocated you with her aggression. Without a doubt, we talked about Serena, the greatest forehand of all time. We talk about Graf, the greatest, excuse me, Serena, the greatest serve, Graf, the greatest forehand, Martina, the greatest combination of a serve and volley you, the game will ever see, has ever seen, and right, the greatest backhand volley. Billie Jean had one of the great backhand volleys too, but you know, all of the greats, they have one thing that just sets them apart. And um, Martina's dominance uh, during that period, and I played, it's so funny, <laughs> I was looking at her records, I thought, hmm, when she was on that match streak, did I did I play her during that streak? And then I kind of was looking down, like, oh my god, yes! I'm one of the I was one of those victims of that when she just went on that incredible streak where she was utterly unbeatable. Uh, she went through that period where you walked out on the court, and 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 no one wants to think they're defeated before you walk out, but in the back of your mind, you know if you were gonna if you had a chance with Martina, you were gonna something was either gonna be wrong with her or you were gonna do the most special thing you'd ever done in your your lifetime. So uh, what she could do on the grass, Wimbledon utterly dominant with the nine titles, um, great on the hard courts, won enough French Opens, won, was good enough on the clay to say, yep, I mean, she could dominate on it all. 
And I will make the argument that if you take in the full breadth of the game, all of the disciplines, singles, doubles, and mixed doubles, she, in my mind, is the greatest because of how dominant she was in all three. It's uh, it's funny that you said that um, she picked you as a doubles partner. Nobody <laughs> ever nobody ever asked her. She asked everybody. When we had Jonathan Stark on, she, he, yeah. he said that she picked him to uh, be mixed doubles for Wimbledon, which they, they won Wimbledon yep, together. Yeah, they did. And, and he and he was like, uh, I wasn't going to play, but my mother made me do it, and, and I'm glad I did, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, good you, good job, John. Yeah. So he said, Elise, do you, did you consider her, like, like a really intimidating presence? I, I was going to ask that, too. As a, uh, as a human being, as a... As a you know what, as it turned out, she turned out to be an absolute wonderful friend. And um, the Mar Martina, you know, on the court, she, her game was intimidating. But as a human being, she was anything but intimidating. And, and Martina, as we've seen, Martina was very human. Very, uh, she's very human. And, and whatever was going on in Martina's life, it was amazing. And she had you know, turmoil, you th I mean, to me, she is one of the most courageous human beings I have ever known in my lifetime. The bravery of, she defected and she defected to this country as a young woman and had to leave her family behind, left, you know, what was then Czechoslovakia behind to never return for, I can't remember how many, for so many years to not see her family. And, and I got to know her family and her parents, wonderful parents and her sister to, to have the courage to pursue, you know, to that courage to defect was one thing. And then through the years, her courage in, in standing up for, for human rights, for, for the LGBTQ rights, whatever it is, Martina, there is no fear in that woman. She if you want it, someone, she will tell you the way it is. She's the most honest human being I think I've, I've ever known. And um, I just have such admiration for her as a human being. So, so let, let me, yeah. let me tie into Brian's question. Mm -hmm. um, so you were very young when you played her in uh, 1985 in the finals in Houston. <laughs> yes. So were you intimidated at that, that day so or... So, all right. So I will tell you the story about Houston. So, you know, you brought it up. So as it turns out, we, and it turned out to be one of the great weeks of my career in terms of, of, I will tell you, I was playing the week before it was the tournament of champions doubles. And I had, I had an injury there and I was thinking of not playing the next week. And then it was at that tournament of champions that doubles. And, and I think I got to the finals of the tournament cha of champions with um, Kathy Horvath, I can't remember if we played Martina and Pam. We played Martina and someone in the finals. Um, memory escapes me a bit. But it was, I was thinking that week, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I can't play Houston the next week. And then all of a sudden Martina comes up and asks me to play doubles and amazing how my injury, oh my gosh. that It is amazing how I recovered from an injury that I thought there was no way I was playing next week. And uh, so uh, to the question of, so it was funny to play doubles with her. I will just quickly say, so we're both left-handed and we both played the ad court. We, we both as doubles in our careers, both played the ad court. So, you know, Martina said, you know, when that week started and Houston goes, 
And the way she talked, I will play the deuce court. I'm like, okay, you, I'm playing wherever you tell me to play. And um, so she was a wonderful partner. She, you know, and, and, and playing doubles when you had the chance to play with the greats, what it allowed you to, to do was get into their minds because they're sharing their thoughts. They're sharing, you learn how they think on the court. And that is, there's no greater lesson to learn how the greats think. And they share it with you when you're on, when you're sharing the court with them. And uh, so it was a little intimidating to play with her because if we had lost, you know whose fault it was going to be. <laughs> it was going to be mine. But um, that week, playing with her, being around her, I just think, and I remember it was, and, you know, she was being coached by my guest at, at that time and Mike and Barb that they were around and, and uh, it was uh, it ended up I ended up having two top 10 wins and singles that week I just think the whole aura of it and it just you know it did something for me that it turned out to be one of the the great weeks of my career not that we're here to talk about me but you know it was just but it does link into to Martina and the aura of Martina. And in the end, I did have to go out and play her in the finals of singles. And I did go out to play that finals. I went out there to win, but yeah, she was, she's Martina and she's dominant. And, and we were actually, it was on a hard true court, which is not her. If you have a chance against Martina, it's going to be on a slower surface, but she was still even dominant on, on that. Okay. Let's, um, <laughs> Before we move to our honorable mention, let's do tonight's trivia question. Uh, put your answers in the Facebook group section. We'll mail a prize out to you, the first person who gets it all right. If you've won prior, you're still ineligible. Sorry, guys. Name the, name the tennis player spouses of these celebrities. Brooklyn Decker, Bridget Wilson, and Steffi Graf. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. Usually our questions are really hard, so yeah. somebody, somebody better get that one. All right, let's yeah. move on to our honorable mentions here. Uh, let's keep it at uh, 30 seconds to a minute. Uh, Brian, we'll okay. start with you for that, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, okay, I got Chris Everett. I mean, she was the you know American girl next door. She had a great rivalry with Martina. Uh, she won 90% of her singles matches, 18 grand slams. Uh, she's got a record 34 Grand Slam finals. Uh, but unfortunately for her, it was often Martina that was waiting for her in those Grand Slams. Yeah, absolutely. Rala, who you got? I got Monica Sellis. I mean, before the before that unfortunate incident on court, she was dominating. I mean, from 92 to 93, she was 55-1 and one in major matches. She had eight Grand Slam titles before the age of 20. She, if that does not happen, in my opinion, she goes on to be included on this list that we're talking about tonight. Because she was so dominant at such a young age. And her career was still taking off. She was number one in the world when that happened. So, you know, that happened. If that doesn't happen, no, no telling how far how many titles she would have won and what her legacy would have been had that not happened. Bradley? I got Venus Williams, uh, obviously the older sister of Serena. And what uh, both Williams sisters brought to the game is power and athleticism. Uh, you know, she was uh, world number one in 11 weeks. 
seven-time Grand Slam winner. She was the first African-American woman to be number one in the world. And she is the only two players that were uh, that reached the U.S. Open in their first attempt. The other one was Miss Pam Shriver in 1978. Nice. So I think had Venus, again, Serena came after Venus, I think those two together changed the game, changed the women's game in my era. Um, you know, and I, you know, like, like Elise said earlier, I think, you know, if Serena hadn't been dominating, I think Venus would have been right there with her as well, holding all those records as well. I agree. Totally agree. So my honorable mention tonight is Billie Jean King. Anybody who's watched this show knows that I am a stats guy. I, I love stats and I could go on about Billie Jean's stats, you know, 12 grand slams, a bunch of other stats, but that that's not what is most important with Billie Jean King. This is a woman who you can't measure her impact just on the court. You have to measure her impact, her impact off the court. Um, you know, she fought for higher pay for women, equal pay for women, um, you know, help break down barriers for females that, you know, not just in tennis, but it expanded even into like the women's rights movements. Um, you know, she was a pioneer of gender equality, you know, something that is still being worked on today, obviously, but she was, the, she was definitely the start of it for tennis. She, she founded the, the Women's Tennis Association. Um, and I think she coached Martina for a little while, yep. too. Right, right. Got so, it. Yeah. You got it. Yep, good job. And then, and then, as you mentioned earlier, Elise, you got 1973, the battle of the sexes. You know, she beats Bobby Riggs. You know, Riggs was 55 years old. <laughs> I will throw <laughs> that out there when it happened. But still, just a, just a huge, huge moment. Um, if anyone hasn't seen that movie, definitely check out the movies. Steve Carell did a great job, by the way, as Bobby Riggs in that. So, um, but she may have the biggest impact outside the sport of any player we talked about today. So, um, definitely deserves at least an honorable mention. But at least anybody you you think is you want to mention? Well, I mean, you guys, you you guys all have have a great list, and of course, you know, Billy Billy Jean King, she's the one the one player that has transcended the sport. Was she Life Magazine's top, most influential people of the 20th century? Um, you, you know, you, you think about, you think about her impact and that match, people who didn't know anything about tennis, she, she, she became a household name and she is a household name. So what Billy has done for, for women, and, and I think people, some people think that it's only about women Billy is all about, as she'll always tell you, equality it, for, for everyone. It is not just women. She is all about equality. So she stands alone on a little, on a, on a mountain that she, on a Mount Rushmore because of what she is, her, because of her contributions. And then the rest of that list, Chris Everett, I mean, the greatest clay court player we've ever seen. And, and, and those records and, and you played Chris and, uh, this was a player that never gave you a thing. She, she was technically off the ground, was technically perfect. And, and you saw so many players come after Chrissy, uh, a generation of players who looked like Chris with the two handed backhand. Uh, Chris and Tracy, Chris and Tracy were the, the great technicians of the, with the two handed backhand and that style of play. And you, you talked about Venus. You talk about Monica, and Monica was, without a doubt, the most consistent, 
hard hitter. She was two hands on both sides. And we hadn't seen that until Monica, the, she took the ball early. She stole your time, took time away from you. And, and she was so unique. And just for, for Monica, for one second, think about it. She was stabbed in 1993. In 1992, the year before, she won three of those four Grand Slams and was in the, she won three slams. She won the Australian, she won the French, she won the U.S. and was in the finals of Wimbledon. And then she won that next Australian Open. What could have been, we'll never know. But so glad that we, you know, an incredible human being and what she went through was just, it was tragic, was tragic. So, you know, but she has, she has, she survived. She won one more slam after that and, you know, and is living a good life. Thank goodness. Okay. All right. And and just <laughs> shout out to the ladies who just missed our list tonight. Martina Hingis, Justine Hennon, Yvonne Colley, and Lindsay Davenport. They were in our finalists as well. So let's move on to our vote for tonight. Remember, guys, can't vote for your own. So we're going to start there uh, with Rollo. You're down on the bottom of my screen. So I'm going to start with you. Who are you voting for? Well, when you talk about Serena Williams, a lot of her records and her accomplishments are compared to Steffi Graf. So Steffi Graf is my my greatest of all time, simply because her records are right there with Serena's, the, the Grand Slam titles, the, the overall ranking of Worlds. She was, she was that good. I'm going to go next. Um, I, 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 I want to say Serena. I really do. Um, she's had the longevity that, that we, we didn't see in some of the other people that we talked about. You know, Martina played a long time, but she wasn't the dominant person that she was in her younger years. You know, she was still very good. Very good. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Martina just because she has I, – I think she made women's tennis bigger nationally than anybody else. Her name was a very popular name. Everybody knew it. Um, her, her stats, obviously, they stand for themselves. And you throw in the doubles and the mixed doubles, she dominates this list. Uh, regardless of who may have the, the records for the individuals. Tennis is more than just an individual. We got doubles. We got mixed doubles. So the, the, with the whole pie, I think it's I'm taking Martina. Uh, Brian? Uh, for me, I feel like I, I think it's I think it's Serena. And the reason why, I think there there's just some times where she just looks so natural and what she does is just so effortless. And, you know, it's like all these other girls, they seem like they had to work so hard, that, you know, for what they, you know, for what they were doing. But, but Serena, not that she is a hard worker, but it just just comes so naturally to her. It's just amazing, um, just the, the God-given talent that she has. And, Brad, I meant to tell you, your stats that you threw out and what you said, that, that moved Margaret in, into my top five. It didn't get her to number one, <laughs> but incredible stats, incredible stats for that woman. Um so who are you taking, Brad? I, I have to agree with Brian. Uh, you know, again, like you mentioned earlier, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a guy could not win a Grand Slam being pregnant. Yeah, I got to put Serena on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and what I, what I like about the Williams sisters in general is, again, uh, and at least mention this too, that, you know, the athleticism and the strength that they brought, uh, you know, they, they kind of transcended what a women's tennis player looks like today, the, the muscles and, you know, being a, being athletic as they were. Um, and again, you know, I hope Serena ends up winning two more Grand Slams and passes Miss Margaret Schwartz all time. You know, I'm hoping, you know, Serena has two left in her. But I, I would be, for me, it's Serena Williams. Okay. That takes us to you, Elise. Ah, you're making – okay. And I think I pretty much said what I if – if we're talking about singles and, and we look at Grand Slams and we, we, we look at it through that lens, I choose, I choose Serena. If we talk about the breadth of the game, the combination of, of all the disciplines, the singles, the doubles, and mixed, I give it to, I give that to Martina. And maybe because I, I, I watched it, I watched it right before my very eyes. What she did was, was beyond the pale. And, and I, I do want to, you know, just a final couple of points. You know, it's interesting how today we talk about the great, you know, who won the most slams, you know, slams are so important. And yes, they are. But the era that I played in, and you listen to Chris and you listen to Martina, week in, week out was extremely important also. And you look at how they littered up the stat sheets, winning so many titles, week in and week out. And maybe because, look, the, you didn't have the money in the slams, you had good money, but you didn't have the money there is today. People can retire on what they earn in the slams pretty much today. I mean, but you played week in and week out. And, and what uh, uh, the, it was, it, there was a greater importance put on your week in and week out results than I think that we see today when all people talk about are how do they, what, how do they, how, how, what are their results in the slams? So I take that into account. And the last thing about Venus Williams, I know you made the point about Venus, and I just want to say, like Billie Jean King, like like some of the other greats, she has been very important off the court and her contributions. And she, she's been remarkable. And I'm a huge fan of hers. So just, this was a great list, guys. And, and you, you, did, you, you did great. It, it was, it, this was fun. It was wonderful. And, and you made some, some really salient points. And I applaud you. And I thank you for, for putting a little uh, spotlight on women's tennis. Absolutely. Uh, we do every sport you could think of on this show. So we, we are open to everything. Congratulations, Rollo, your first victory on our show. So let's, let's Yay. That, that put that gets you a point that gets you on, on our, on our, our list there for that. So congrats on that. That's three for her, one for Navratilova, one for Graf. So let's move on to our, our Q and a for Elise. Um, Brian, go ahead and start us off. Um, I just wonder what what did you feel like was your your greatest strength on the court, and what did you feel like was something that you always had to work on? It was sort of like a nagging kind of weakness you always had to work on. Uh, tennis players, we never like to discuss weaknesses, don't you know? You never want to admit that. Uh, you know, for me, well, I'm left handed. I'm still left handed. It's really that conversation was really interesting. Like Martina was not a natural leg who started. Sharapova was an act was supposedly. She was a lefty and then became and, and played right handed. Nadal is a righty who plays left handed. I'm a lefty who played who played left handed. And that was an advantage for me. Being left handed is a, a huge a big advantage in tennis. And and I had I had the type of game that 
if you didn't walk off the court against me and you didn't feel like you had to go out and practice for a couple hours because I just messed with you, then I didn't do my job because I, you know, I wasn't going to knock you over with power, but I hit with a lot of topspin on my forehand. And, and, you know, I tried to work the points with my forehand using my, my, using my forehand to set things up, you know, in terms of strength, it was that I, I could do everything pretty well. Could I serve in volley? I played in the era in an era where, where the grass was faster. So you had to learn how you had to adapt to every surface. And um, my one singles win was on clay, but I, I reached some semis on grass. I, I, I got to some finals on hard court so that I could adapt to all the surfaces that I did everything pretty well. I wasn't going to knock you over, but my leftiness, my hands, I think I, you know, if I would say if there was one thing I was blessed with was with soft hands, which was a huge thing, which helped in doubles and being quick and having those reflexes and being quick around the court. Um, weaknesses. Uh, and, you know, I hopefully I think that I hope that my, you know, my intensity was 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 a bit of a strength. But, you know, I think for me, it was deciding what what type of game do I need to play? Do I need to be aggressive? It, it was for me, it was the decision making. Because I could do a little of everything, it was more, what's going to win me this match? And, you know, sometimes knowing that I had to be the aggressor, you know, I, I sometimes was more in a conservative mind, an aggressive game in a conservative mind sometimes and and had to had to figure that out. So, and uh, I wish in the, in matches, I learned, I learned when I was young, I learned how to slice my backhand, which was a great thing because I was a two-hander. But I stopped hitting through my backhand the way I should have because I could then depend on that slice. So if there was one thing I could go back and do again, it would have been just going after that backhand more in singles. But, you know, it's some butts. So, you know, I'm, I feel so – I was very fortunate to play when I played and the experiences I had. And would I do some things over? Of course you would. But, you know, what is hindsight – you know, 2020. So it was what it was. If that's an answer. Brad, go ahead. Elise, I, um, I guess the question would be, what are the differences between when you played in and today's game? Uh, which, I mean, mm -hmm. would it be mm -hmm. for you to win in today's game or would it yeah. be to win during your playing days? Look, I'm 5'4", and uh, I want to say three quarters. When the hair is up, I'm getting close to 5'5". Five five. You know, I want to believe that with my game, you know, I had a lot of variety that I could have figured it out. You know, when I, it, it's very interesting when I, you know, at the slams, when I walk, in the, you know, down the corridor at the U.S. Open, I look at some of these players, I'm like, whoa, you know, we had a couple of six-footers. Now, <laughs> you know, not only do you have six-footers, but they're athletes, too. You know, they used to say, aha, well, the ones that are tall, they can't move. Well, now they can move. They can do the whole thing. And so, uh, obviously, the technology, the string technology has changed the game. Do I, there are two things I wish I, I could, I would know, which I'll never know. What the string technology would have done for my game, because I, I had a, you know, I was a little, I don't want to say before my time, but I had the Western type forehand, semi-Western forehand in an era that you didn't see that where today's technology, that type of grip, it, the, the, the string technology, it just, the ball just has a lot of, has a lot of oomph, you could say. 
Um, you know, do I know how I would deal with the power of all these players? I don't know. I would hope that I could mute it somehow that I would figure it out, but it, uh, the game has changed and, you know, I want to believe that, that I would have competed. I know I would have had a doubles career, you know, uh, I mean, for me, you know, I contended for those slams and doubles, you know, in singles, I did get up and, you know, in, you know, that close to that top 20. Do I know that I would have been there in singles? No, I don't know. I think in doubles, I still would have, you know, been definitely had that career, even at 5-4. <laughs> so, you know, but boy, the game has changed. But te but technique has not. And, and I'll just say one other thing. I believe that because players, ground strokes are just, they dominate with power with ground strokes now that, you don't see the technique on volleys. You don't see the full, you don't see the breadth of, of complete players that you saw when, in the era that I feel that I grew up in. So the game has changed. I would like to see more complete players, which I think you don't have to be a totally complete player today to still be really, really good where you had to be then. Okay. Got you. Have you noticed I go on a little bit? It's <laughs> good. It's good. All right, Rallo, you're up. This is a two two part question. So okay. you, you played on all the major in all the major tournaments. Uh, what was your most memorable match that wasn't Martina related? Okay. And what was your <laughs> wow. most what was when you walked out onto each one of the courts for the first mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. which one were you most intimidated by? You're like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm playing here. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Oh, goodness, most memorable match. Gosh. Well, I played my best friend, and, you know, I two matches, and, and Pam and I, Pam Schreit, Pam and I grew up together. We started playing. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. We grew up in Baltimore together. And we played on, well, it was Armstrong. You know, now it's Ash Stadium, but center court at the U.S. Open was Armstrong. And we played singles in the third round, and that was – it was one of those moments where, wow, these two little these two little kids from Baltimore, you know, who who the first time they played was at Clifton Park in the seventies, you know, in front of their parents, are now at a packed Armstrong Stadium on the feature match on a Saturday night at the U.S. Open playing each other, and it was a it was a three setter, and it was a you know Pam would say eh, I was horrible, but you know, <laughs> even though she won, uh, but you know. That was one of those matches. You're never going to forget that. We also played against each other in the semis of of Wimbledon, and once again, you know, you're 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 playing that match, and and you're like, whoa, <laughs> gosh, look how it was one of those. Look how far we've come, types of things. So, you know, I think those are matches I'll never forget. You know, college tennis, look, I'm going to tell you, you know, I played four years at Stanford. We won two NCAA titles. Winning those were, at the time, those were very big. My last college match was winning an NCAA doubles title, and I had been injured that, enti that entire year. And I had never won an individual in my four years where people thought, you know, I, that it was going to happen, and it hadn't. And it came down to my last chance. And getting that individual NCAA title was, you know, in, you know, for me was big. And I'll just say, you know, when you represent your country, it's just something, you know, 
it just gives you goosebumps. And I was so fortunate to do it twice. And Whiteman Cup, we played at the Royal Albert Hall, <laughs> where, where people were dressed in, it, it was cocktail attire. And that was wild. And then playing on two Fed Cup teams, you know, so those are things you don't forget. And I'm just going to say the courts. Walking, I only played on center court at Wimbledon once, but I spent my childhood in front of the mirror. In those days, you curtsied for the Royal Box. And so I, I had practiced that stinking curtsy so many times in front of my mirror growing up, like, you know, ha ha, one day you might do it. Well, it came. I, it only came once. And I will just never forget. It was like, I don't even know who the world, the royalty was like the Princess Michael of Kent. It was and I couldn't have cared less because if there was royalty in the box, you had to curtsy. And I'll just never forget going out there. I'm like, I am going to curtsy. And, uh, and you know, like, I probably, at least I didn't fall when I did it. So, you know, playing, I was very fortunate to play on every center court that the sport had. Center court at Wimbledon, there's nothing like it. You'll never forget it. And I was very fortunate to win on center court. And to have played on all the center courts at Chatrier, uh, at the French Open in Australia, and of course, the, my slam. When I say my slam, you know, as an American, the U.S. Open, you know, several times, it's, you can't beat it. So I was blessed. I was fortunate and no regrets. Thank you for representing America on those Fed Cup teams. We, we, we love <laughs> it was presentation for the country. <laughs> yeah, well, wearing that flag on your, you know, it was on the skirts. You had that American flag, and and uh, you just you just felt to, you know something something really special. Well, we'll get you out of here with this tonight. Um, I, I, I I I've read that you're quite a prankster, so maybe you can tell us your your best yeah. prank. But yeah. but but my actual question is 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 deeper than that. So I'm too old to be a prankster now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so. In 1989, sadly, your, your, your mother passed in a car accident, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and you were quoted as saying, terrible things happen in life. You go on. You go on living. Mm -hmm. Your perspective changes. You realize yeah. tennis, you know, isn't the only thing. And then in, in 1991, when you, you failed to qualify for Wimbledon, you were 29. You lost to a, a very young player. You said, one phase is ending, but really it's just the beginning. Just, just the mm. beginning. So, so mm. my question is for you. You, you've had some some things in life that you know are, would be upsetting to people, but you have kept a positive outlook mm -hmm. through, you know. through all that stuff. So, so how how do you keep positive in times like that, and, and uh, you know, and and continue to move on and mm -hmm. and, and and go on in life. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I have said this, of course, what happened to me, and, and I was young. Look, I was in, you know, I was in my 20s, and, you know, you wouldn't wish anything. You, what happened, what I experienced, you know, when you lose, you know, you, you lose a loved one that you never get to say goodbye to, and it was an automobile accident, and it was awful, and it was the worst thing, you know, that phone call that no one ever wants in their life, you know, I got, and I wouldn't want that for I don't want any human being to ever go through something like that. But, you know, it's, boy, you learn. It put life in such perspective for me. And, and, and I, I will just say the tennis community is such a family. And 
And that family, gosh, did they rally for me. And, uh, you know, and I talk about my best friend, Pam, who was right there, but I, I can go on and on when I, you know, at my mother's funeral, I looked up and there was, and, and look, the tennis world doesn't stop. And I looked up and there was Martina. And it was, oh my gosh, you know, and, and it was such a, fa they were such a family and helped me through this. I had so many friends to help me through that period, but I've never, because you go, when you go through that, life takes on a whole new perspective. You appreciate every day. You tell people you love them. You, you know, the things that you take for granted, you never take for granted again. And because it happened to me young in my twenties, I have appreciated, I really do think I've appreciated every day since then, maybe and not differently than others would, but, but I know that it can change in an instant. So I don't take anything for granted. And, and, uh, do I tell the kids wear your seatbelts? Do I, you know, you know, and you know, sometimes you worry, you know, you, you try, you learn not to worry. Yes, bad things can happen, but you go forward in life and you just try to accomplish. And, uh, and I think people, everyone, there is loss. Everyone experiences loss. And the thing that I tell people is nothing takes away memories. Memories will be there forever and you do find a way to go on and you do find the positives and you will, you will smile. I, for a, a period of time, I thought, will I ever smile again? Will I ever laugh again? Will all those things, and you do. So, you know, I, I don't wish any, anyone to go through, everyone goes through loss at some time, but you know, you want to spare people, but it happens and you have to, life, you know, life goes, life does go on. I know I just went on a little bit about that, but you know, uh, it's, it's beautifully said, beautifully it's said. a, it's a, it's a life experience and it just makes you appreciate people. And, and, you know, boy, did I, my tennis friends and, and the tennis community, I mean, it was, it, they are, it, you know, it's a family that even if we don't, if I don't see some of them for having seen some of them in 20 years, 25 years, you can pick up right away right where you left off that's great and there's uh, 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 pranks you want to tell us about one oh, prank yeah, so maybe? i yeah. don't know about the you know i don't know about that what i would say is you know <laughs> the only thing i will say is that so when we were playing there was we did a show eastbourne was the, the tournament before wimbledon and each year we there was a show that we the players put on and it was you know our own it became oh my gosh it became very big it you know, people lined the streets before our crazy show in Eastbourne before we, we walked in, even though it was a, a tenant, it was kind of just within the, the tennis community. But um, in the the last many years, I was the one that had to write, I write, I wrote the show and, and I, and we staffed it and all the players played parts and we wrote that show and it was a, it was fun. And we made fun of people, but never, never anything nastily. And, uh, so if people look at that as pranks, people came to expect it. That show became, I used to stink up the joint when I played in eSport every year because I had so much pressure because in the end, I, we had to write that show. <laughs> so getting that done. And I think, uh, I think that's where people thought, okay, you know, she, you know, she, uh, I don't, didn't make fun of people because we, uh, we did it in jest and, and, and it became for the years that we were on tour, it became that one night each year became quite the thing 
uh, and uh, and we had a lot of fun with it. But I'm trying to think, the worst. I don't know. Not no pranks are coming to mind. But okay. I'm are sure you, choose, I'm are sure you choosing to forget? Are you, are you choosing to forget those pranks? Or you... Maybe, <laughs> maybe I am. But I will tell you one thing, and it was not a prank. Um, it's the worst thing that could happen to a tennis player, and, and I did it to another tennis player. So at Wimbledon. We, you know, in all the lock, you know, we have the locker rooms. We all have our rackets all over the place. And, and so the, my racket company, which many players, we used, we had the same racket company. And are we allowed to say racket companies at the time? Well, you can see it behind you in my picture. Okay. So, so I played with kids. <laughs> and so whatever, I finished for the day at Wimbledon, the locker room, picked up my rackets, left, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm like. I'm in, and and we would stay out at, at Wimbledon. You did at the time. I wasn't staying at Wimbledon. We were. I was staying in the city, so it could take an hour and a half to get back sometimes. And I'm just in the car riding back, and blah blah blah. And I'm just look, and then I just looked at my racket bag. It's like, oh my god, these aren't my rackets. And then I knew whose rackets they were. And I think it was Tammy Whitlinger. It was like, oh my god. She has a match. I took her rackets. <laughs> Never in my life have I panicked more than taking someone else's rackets when they had a match. I mean, you don't, you, you don't, you can't play with someone else's rackets. You need your own. But somehow, I don't know. We got back in time, whatever. She got her, her rackets. I think she had heart failure. She probably lost. 10 years of her life waiting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the worst thing that I can remember that I accidentally did was take, and it, you know, I didn't do it at the Podunk Open. You know, I did it at Wimbledon. <laughs> it was just awful. All right. Well, thank you to Elise Bergen for joining us tonight. We appreciate you coming on. and, and It was fun. Some really good answers. You can it definitely see the, the commentator and analysis that you are in, in your answers. That was great. We appreciate it. I want to thank everyone for watching tonight. Please remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and join that Facebook group where you can win our trivia questions. And uh, even Brad, before he joined us as a panelist from time to time, he won a trivia question. So... You know, we will, we do mail those prizes out to you. So everyone have a great night. Thank you for watching.